It's Over the Hump with Trails to Ales, where we bring you a bike thing, and a beer thing, and it's the thing to get you over the hump and into the weekend. What do you think? Let's talk about both bikes and beer. Right, bikes and beer? Bikes, bikes and, and beer. beer. Over the Hump with Trails to Ales. Welcome to episode number 131 of Over the Hump with Trails to Ales. This is Kenny Kevin. And you've probably been wondering where the heck have we been for the past few weeks? And uh, one of us started a new job, and for both of us, work takes over life. So we apologize for the uh, leave of absence unannounced, but we're back. And while we were out, we also got to partake in a little event called Snallygaster, which we're going to uh share as the primary topic of the night so we'll shift our our typical uh format a little bit and uh just give some highlights on the snallygaster event which uh for me it was definitely better this time around than last not just because the weather was better but i think you know the last time we went ken it was what four years ago five years ago it's about four years uh, ago but you haven't explained yeah. what Snallygaster is for people who don't know. Well, well, we'll do that in just a sec. But all right, cool. Yeah, it's about four <laughs> years ago. Yeah, yeah. No, so I, I just I, what I was getting at is my um, my outlook on craft beer has changed in the past four years. So I've learned to appreciate different styles and uh, you know look forward to different types of beers this time instead of just IPAs. So um just wanted to point that out but yeah do you want to you want to explain it you probably explain it better than me well, i don't know i'm gonna uh, do it with with no notes i'm gonna say that snallygaster is the dc area's biggest beer festival it uh started out sort of as an Oktoberfest many years ago when the restaurant group which is a uh restaurant group in the dc area that is known for lots of great menu items for eating but also a great beer list because they actually have a master Cicerone on their staff, Greg Ingert, who went on to open up another restaurant group brewery called Blue Jacket. He's just an amazingly knowledgeable and crafty craft beer guy. And he curates this thing. And many years ago, he at, at the restaurant Rustico, he had this sort of Oktoberfest thing with lots of breweries, mostly from the local area. And it has just grown and boomed since that time into this great big festival this year with uh, more than 450 beers from 200 or so breweries plus wine and cider and other stuff too uh, now held on pennsylvania avenue yes that pennsylvania avenue in washington <laughs> dc in the shadow of the united states capitol where the uh, only thing that was being thought about was guaranteed not politics it was all water malt hops grains um, and, and the like so anyway hopefully that's a good enough um, explanation to go in because we want to tell you about like kevin mentioned we've been before and we went again so kevin how do you compare the two experiences so like i mentioned earlier uh our first go around with it, the weather was not the greatest. So that definitely put a little bit of a damper on things, but you know, the beer still tastes the same, but uh, you know, like I also mentioned my, my 
flavor or my taste in beer has changed a little bit. I, I guess I would say it's expanded beyond just IPAs, although there were still some really fantastic IPAs there. But um, I would say that my favorite one from the entire event that we got to try at least was nowhere near an IPA. Um, but it, it, it was from a brewery that we've definitely mentioned on this podcast before. So um, we'll talk about that in a minute, I'm sure. But, but yeah, overall, you know, the weather was great. I think the layout of this venue was definitely um, more convenient. It was definitely more spread out. So definitely more walking, which while drinking a bunch of heavy beers is not a bad thing. Uh, sure. And you know, oh, the other big thing I would say that was better over this, uh, by the, better with this one versus the other one was the fact that it was just you could drink as many beers as you want instead of the whole ticket concept and different beers cost different tickets. That, that was just a disaster, in my opinion. So I'm glad they did away with that. That made life a lot easier. Um, and it made the event more enjoyable in, ge- in general because you're not like sitting there like, oh, well. You know, I only got this many tickets left, but I really want to try this and that. But am I going to make it there in time to have some beer left? And you know what I mean? So, like, it just took that whole, you know, angle of stress out of the picture. Right. You never had to think about, will you be able, if you stop to get this beer that just caught your eye, will you still be able to get the other beer that you were on the way to get? Exactly. Don't have to think about that at all. No. So I, I think with that being said, I think um, it was definitely just more fun overall. Like the whole, whole situation was better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my, my initial take on it. How about you? Yeah. I think overall the venue moving from Navy yard over to Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, it laid it all out, you know, kind of in a line and then they had, like an offshoot area for the food and other types of vendors, you know, like shopping stuff, you know, different arts and crafts kind of things. That was really nice. So it wasn't like, I think Navy Yard with its square shape made it really harder, much harder to move around. Uh, Some of the things that I took note of, that's just good crowd management in general that Snally didn't have when we went before and that they did have now is like the line management stuff. Like we lined up, Cause we bought early access passes cause the last time we went, some of the beer was gone by the time we got in there. So we didn't want that to happen. And, um, we lined up early at least a half an hour before opening and we were still a good, what, couple hundred people back. And you know, people, they had people coming through the line, checking IDs and giving you your ID wristband in line, scanning your ticket in line giving you maps while in line. So by the time you got in there, you were ready to go. You should, most people who are showing up early already had a plan anyway, but it was just cool that you didn't have to, once the 12 o'clock time for opening came around, you didn't have to wait as 199 people in front of you got their ticket checked. It was already done. And I thought that was really cool. They had the corral set up to sort of have us wrap serpentine around, which gave it a lot more, uh, a much more controlled feel going in. Like the first time we went, we were probably more than 200 back then too, but it was a straight line. 
So you felt like you were <laughs> way, you know, it was way back. And even when we got into this one, we later on saw the back of the line we'd been in and it got really long and around the block. So it still happened, but at least they had a little more management. So, but overall, I thought all that was really good. And then I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you that the major, major change was one ticket, all the beers. And that, that was just huge. As long as you held on to your, your glass, you had a way to go from place to place and check what you want. And you didn't feel bad about dumping either. Like if you didn't like something, you could dump it and move on and not go, man, I just wasted five tickets. So that was pretty cool. So the other thing we did going in is like you and I, I guess you mentioned work and stuff. We didn't have a ton of time to plan going into this, but it also, they didn't post the full beer list until a couple of days before, but you and I both, said, all right, what we'll do is we'll just pick like three choices that we would hope to get as sort of like anchor points for us as we got there, knowing that we would see other things and want to try other things and had read the list. So for your three choices, I'm going to mention your three choices, but then I'm going to let you just you discuss whether you got them, what you thought of them, did they live up to, to what you were expecting? You had Hunafu's from Cigar City on your list, Ripple from Foam, and uh, Summertime Squeeze, which is a dip from Brew Gentleman. Those were your three going in, sight unseen. How did you do? Um, I think I got two out of the three. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Summer Squeeze one, I saw, and I forget why we didn't end up getting it. Or no, did I, did I get that one? God, it feels like a blur. It's Guys, blur. I know you definitely got the other two. Right. I, I, uh, and, and the third, what was the third IPA or the third one on the list? It was. You had uh, summertime squeeze from Brew Gentleman, Ripple from Foam, and. Uh, oh yeah. Yep. So maybe I did have all three actually. I know oh. I had the Ripple by Foam, and I know I had Hunapoos because we documented that with a video. Yeah. Um, I think did I get summertime squeeze? Dang it! I can't remember now. Uh, I, I, but I know. I, 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 go ahead. I do remember seeing it. I do remember seeing their tent, but something tells me that we said we were going to come back to it, and we didn't for some reason. Didn't make it. But two out of three is not bad. Yeah, I thought you'd gotten all three, but I'm not sure. If you can, if you don't remember, then it didn't happen. <laughs> That's the way it well, is. But uh, so like, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, so. On the hype scale, probably the biggest one on that list was Hunafu's. And you and I, I mean, we walked in and I'll get to my situation in a minute. But, you know, we walked up to uh, Cigar City and there was no line. And Hunafu's right. is a pretty hyped beer. So we we're like, wait a minute, why is there no line here? And we went right up. We got our Hunafu's. And uh, what'd you think? It was good. But. I will say, I mean, you know, it was definitely, it was up there in goodness. The uh, tobacco flavors, I, know, I remember talking about that, mm -hmm. that the it really tasted tobacco in the aftertaste, like, like you know, the good smell of tobacco, um, like cigar tobacco, that is. Right. So, I mean, yeah, that was really nice how that came out. But uh, honestly, I had the beer that I think was my favorite of the entire event right before drinking that mm -hmm. so going from that one to hunapus which was i feel like it was a little bit on the plain side 
I expected more flavors to come out of it, but the one that was my favorite from the show was called, or it was by Mortalis and uh, crap. Pause for a sec. Let me search yep. this thing. Crap. What the hell was it called? It's like right on the tip of my tongue. Did you check it in? No, dude, I didn't check anything in, man. Uh, it was something like with an L. I, actually, I should, I should just look it up on untapped. All right, so I need to say, yeah, it was... I just tried my... Uh, right before trying Hunapu's, I uh, tried the beer that I think was my favorite of the entire event, and it was from Mortalis, and it was either called Treant or, or Nyx. And I'm, I'm trying to see if I could find it on here. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about Mortalis before and, and how good they are. And uh, yeah, I, I think it was Nick's Falcon. Uh, Imperial style with coconut, vanilla, macadamia nuts. Um, God, that's a... I feel, like, I feel like it was a sour though. I, I Actually, I think it was a Treon. The rum barrel aged sour with banana, pineapple, buck, Blackberry, I almost said buck cherry. <laughs> Blackberry, <laughs> orange. I think that was it because it, I remember it was a sour, which I was like, oh, am I going to like this or not? But it wasn't sour at all, man. It was just smooth and like, oh, man, so many like chocolatey notes. And chocolate isn't even in, but somehow that's what it tasted like. That's cool. That's so oh. what, what that gets to is like we've talked about before where you have, you know, there's good beer. And there's an amazing beer. So you had an amazing beer and then you went to have a really good beer. And so somehow, and that sort of a tells really you, good beer, amazing uh, reputation. <laughs> well, and also that tells you a little bit about Snally, right? It's like the quality of the beer there is, I hate to use a cliche, but it really is off the hook. It's, it is, you know, Greg, Greg doesn't just say, oh yeah, well, we'll just let, you know, my, my cousin's brewery in or whatever. Like he's very, very particular about the beers that end up at Snally. And the fact that Hunafu's could come in a close second to a beer from an upstate New York brewery that six months ago we'd never even heard of is just incredible. And that's why we go to these festivals. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you're still looking I, for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it is. I mean, you know, I've been to a. I'll, I will say that the last one or two beer festivals I went to, not the virtual one. The virtual one was awesome too. That that was a whole different experience, but it was cool. But I don't know. I, I feel like some beer festivals they just, you know, it's just like it's a lot of beers. It's like okay, I can get most of these anytime I want. You know, why did I just pay all this money to come to a beer festival, you know, to try beers I can go to their that brewery any day of the week and try. So I guess to have them all in one place or something is, yeah, yeah, yeah but there's always you know. a reason or just to go have a, a good time. But I hear you. I mean, that that's definitely, well, that's another one of those uh, markers the we beers. put down. Like when we said, well, what makes a good festival? Well, one of them is, does it have beer you can't get if you don't go to that festival? And, and for sure, Snally not only brings breweries that have a large number of breweries that don't distribute here, but even the ones that do distribute here bring beers to Snally 
that you can't get except at those breweries. And so they bring those kegs to Snally and that's why their, you know, their lines get long and their beer gets gone before you get there. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, yeah well, you, it's a lot of effort goes into that uh, event. You could tell. Sure. Plan coordination. I mean, lots of events are like that, but uh, to bring to coordinate and bring guys over from Belgium and in Germany, yeah, you know, to name some of the the big ones, um, you know, and get the beer here in time and fresh and everything. Yeah, a lot that goes into, and with a pandemic in the middle too so that that was incredible and i know they were probably anxious waiting up even to the last week to see if dc would lock down harder than they already were you know like other we know of other events other festivals in dc that were canceled leading up to snally but thankfully they had a wide open event you know so outside they sold half the tickets they usually do and they also had a charitable partner that they always do too which is amazing also but uh i just i want to get quickly to my three choices because i only got one of my three and the first on my list was uh cotillion from uh from belgium uh a trappist you know a, a uh pure on you know well-renowned beer that is very hard to find in the u.s i mean you can find it in some really nice restaurants things like that by the bottle but they bring some really good aged beer to Snally, and I put that on my list. And I thought with our VIP passes, we would get in early, and that's where I'd go. And we got there, and the line was as long for Cotillion as it was for us to get into the whole festival to begin with. <laughs> and I just said, nah, because it's not worth it. Like, it would have probably been a good 45 to an hour in that line to get right. my two to get two ounces versus how much fun and just relax, chill out, walking around we had. It just wasn't worth it. And, you know, it's beer. It's fun. I wish I'd had it, but I didn't. And the other one on my list like that, not delivered, not, not distributed here. Never been there. Trillium from Massachusetts. Didn't get there either. Line was incredibly long, so didn't get there. Third on my list. Got there. It was awesome. Glad I had it on my list. Jester King. Their spawn for S-P-O-N for spontaneous fermented beer was just incredible. They do such a good job. I had one of their spawn versions uh, earlier this year, I think in August. And this one was fantastic. So I was really thrilled there. So, but I only got one of my three. And then I missed or forgot about a couple that I had told you about. Like when I saw them on the list, when they announced them and I was like, whoa, did you see this? And we didn't even go there when we went to the festival. There was a Garden Path Brewing, the Fruitful Barrel, uh, Tayberries Barrel Fermented Mixed Fermentation Ale with Tayberries. Didn't get that. Volition from Threes Brewing, which was Cocoa Krispies Brown Bread Crust Sarsaparilla Dried Flowers. It's like, just reading that, I thought, I got to have that. And I didn't completely forgot about it. Why? Because there were so many other good choices like one. And I'm putting this down as like one of my great first tries of a, of a style I'd never had. And it was really great was OEC's Cool Ship Lager, which was mm. really, really good. It was open fermented Czech lager. And I really liked that one. And then from Scratch Brewing, 
They had two that I thought were fantastic. They had a basil ale and a beet goza. And both of those were, were definitely worth missing out on Cotillon because I don't know what I missed, but I know I had those and those were awesome. And I'm definitely going to be on the lookout for scratch brewing uh, if I can uh, manage. I, they're out of Chicago. I don't know if they distribute here, but I'm going to be on the lookout for them too. Nice. So. Yeah. That, you know, I was thinking when we were talking about Cotillion, um, I mean, think about the amount of time that you would have spent in line to taste that one beer. We got to try a lot of other really good ones too. Um, and then, sure. you know, the other thing too is this, the beer, the Cotillion beer that you wanted, like, were you, um, were you, just trying to was it on your list because you wanted to just say you've had it or was there a specific beer that they had that people are like oh it's so good you know i gotta try it because no i'll admit nice. it I, I admit it was completely because everybody says they're the best and i want to know well, what's the big deal so how, what if i ended up with a bad I don't think they'd bring bad, but you know, but I agree. So I hear what your question is and yeah, I absolutely was drinking it just so I could say I'd had it. I don't know anything yeah. about it. I didn't know what, I didn't care. Um, uh, you know, about, I would have taken any of the three available and I didn't get, I wasn't going to wait in the line. <laughs> so, yeah, that was incredible. Yeah. Uh, let me quickly say that Scratch Brewing is not in Chicago. It is actually almost, it's um, out in the middle of Illinois near Carbondale in a place called Ava, A-V-A. So there you go, from a little town in Illinois, awesome couple beers. So uh, anything else from Snally takeaways, um, observations, anything like that? Um, nothing in particular. I mean, you know, it was cool because, you know, they hadn't done it last year because of COVID this year, they, they redid it. And, um, you know, I, I felt like it was a good vibe while you were there. Like everybody was pretty friendly. Um, yeah. Yeah. There wasn't a bunch of drunk idiots wandering <laughs> around. <laughs> Um, you know, but that's, that's the kind of stuff, you know, that you, uh, sometimes dread going to events like this. It's like, oh, you know, how many drunk idiots are you going to, you know, get bumped into by and, uh, yeah, you're right. It was more of a mellow buzz vibe than a, um, rowdy getting trashed vibe. Mm -hmm. Like even like the only broken glass i recall was from the guy who put his glass down on the table that you and laura warned him not to put his glass down on. yeah yeah <laughs> it wasn't like a bunch of people falling over and breaking their glasses yeah i think like overall from a from a festival perspective you know it had beers you can't usually get it had an you know an incredible selection of breweries a very wide selection of beer style so you could have gone to that beer festival with anybody like if any of your friends if you just said hey come on out and they're like oh, i'm not really into beer fest i don't know or beer or i don't like ipas you're like guarantee you you're going to get something you like and more than one you know for yeah. sure anybody could have gone plus they had wine and, and cider there too uh one price for everything i thought that was great they had a wide selection of food they had live music they had other entertainment they had um 
you know, a really cool venue. So overall, I think it's a great festival. And in fact, if you can believe I'm going to say it, I think there are aspects of it that make it better than the Great American Beer Festival. Really? And that is, it's a more manageable size. But granted, it's one day, it's six hours compared to the Great American Beer Festival. If you went to every session, you'd be there for three days and you still sure. couldn't cover all. It's that big. And in some ways that's overwhelming. Uh, but the main thing with the Great American Beer Festival that you feel at night there that you didn't feel in the day at Snallygaster is you said there were a lot of nice people, everybody, you know, it's like kind of chill. There is a small percentage yet a definitely visible component of people at GABF who are just trying to blast their way through as many places as possible and ticking, you know, for, for untapped or whatever. And you, you mean, seriously, you got people running and pushing people out of the way to get to places and it's overall chill, but it's not as chill as Snally was. So just an yeah. observation there. But I was going to say too, you know, on the, on the friendliness uh, topic, um, as we were walking through the crowd, we bumped into some of the brewers from Drecker and, and uh, you know, Laura's favorite brewery. Yeah. And, you know, they were more than happy to stop and talk for a while and uh, get a picture with Laura. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. The brewery, like not every brewery sent their staff, but yeah, the ones that did, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think, I think it's important, you know, there, yep. we should get feedback from other you know, audiences and, you know, that might not be local to them. That was a great event. We didn't want to get on here and just go, we went to a beer festival and we had fun. Hopefully uh, we shared some information that explains why this is a good best beer festival, what you ought to look for in a, in a beer festival. And, you know, maybe what we might do differently next time. I can't think of much other than, you know, you got to make the choice. Like I, I met someone who did wait in the cotillion line and was very happy they had. So it all depends. Oh, really? Like, yeah, uh, at the, actually, the guy that dropped his glass when he moved over to our table, he had been to cotillion. So um, oh, maybe that's why. Glass. Well, the table got him. <laughs> There's no <laughs> question that the table got him, but you and Laura warned him, so it's his fault. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that is our beer thing for this week. So I have a short bike thing that uh, just because, you know, we are a bike thing, beer thing, beer thing, bike thing podcast. So let me quickly tell you the situation I've been in here dealing with the, um, again, pandemic related parts shortage on uh, bikes. I wanted to let you know about this that is going to be ongoing it will not end on this episode so anybody wants to say that ken's going to start a story he doesn't finish well yes that's about to happen and that is uh laura is not as hard on parts as i am on my bike i'm just going to say she's probably a better shifter she she pays attention to things like form and shifting and works on her uh uh you know proper braking and all these things whereas i'm probably more of just <laughs> a Neanderthal out there banging away on rocks and hitting my brakes and, you know, getting myself out of trouble the hard way to the detriment of my chain and my cassette 
fortunately, oh God, I don't even want to mention Derailia right now. Everything is hard to find right now. Let's just say that. And Laura is still on the original parts for her bike, which is a 2019 Fuel EX97, which is pretty darn amazing that she's been able to do that. But I looked at her cassette and I said, huh, you know, I at least should go ahead and get one ordered because they're hard to find. And I want it ready when she needs a new cassette because it's starting to be, you know, the, the teeth are rounded off. And I just thought, you know, as far as drivetrains go, get a new cassette, get a new chain, maybe a new front ring, not sure there. And, you know, your pedaling is going to be awesome. Well, it's not as easy as you think. And here's one reason why. I went back to the spec sheet for her bike that is up on the Trek website. And among other things, it says she has a SRAM XG1230 Eagle 11 by 50 12 speed. That's what it says is on her bike. But I had a little conversation with uh, our friend Rick. And he's telling me what to watch out for and everything. And also I noticed I went and actually, yeah, genius move. I went and actually looked at what's on her bike. <laughs> so the, the <laughs> website said one thing, but just because the website said these are the stock specs, it doesn't mean that that's what the shop had on the bike they sold you. And sure enough, on her bike, it says it's a PG 1230 Eagle, 12 speed, 1152. And I, on my 9.8, run an XG1275. And I thought, well, I'll just upgrade her to the 1275. It's about a hundred dollar more cassette, but it's really nice and sturdy and I've loved it. And I thought, well, can't I just put that cassette on her bike? They're both fuel EXs. Can't they run the same? Well, for one thing, they have different derailleurs. They have different, like, you know, um, so I looked at this thing and I, and I wrote to our friend Rick, um, who goes by Hensio. And on Instagram, and you know he knows a hell of a lot about bikes. He he does a lot of his own work, like you. And so I just was asking. I said, you know, Laura currently has a SRAM XG twelve thirty Eagle eleven fifty twelve speed cassette. I can't find that exact model anywhere. So at the time, I was I did everything. I went to all these different bike shop sites. I did all the stuff. Couldn't find it, but I did find a SRAM PG twelve thirty NX Eagle cassette, which is the one Trek says it's on there. And it's the PG in the name that's different. So I was looking at that and it says it's compatible with eight, nine, and 10 speed splined driver bodies and all levels of Eagle drive same systems. But she's got a 12 speed. So can I get her any other 12 speed Eagle? And I'm thinking, no, because one of them requires an XD driver. And it's looking like I might have to go ahead and buy her an XD driver and the GX. And so Rick said, yeah, that's confusing. And he says, you know, XG is the XD driver body as he understands it. Where it gets more confusing is it says it's an 11 by 50 and all XG cassettes that use the XD driver are 1050. So he's saying the best way to do this is self-inspection. You count the number of teeth or pull the cassette off. And of course, I don't have a cassette tool and it gets more complicated. So I, what I did is I went staring at the bike and I, you know, <laughs> Long story short, I still haven't bought the cassette because I can't even like if you get online and chat to a live helper at like competitive cyclists or some place, you got to be able to tell them what hub you're running. So I did figure out what hub she's got. And so now I think and I have to confirm it, but I am pretty sure she has an XD driver 
So I could upgrade her cassette. But all this is to say, if you're new to this, or if you haven't gotten into this, or even you have said like sometimes time, oh, I bought the wrong part for whatever. It is so easy to do that. And it's making me crazy because it shouldn't be this hard to replace a part on your bike. And it is like, I would think Trek would say, if you own the 2019, blah, 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 you can run any of these cassettes. Don't they want to sell it to me? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. I just wanted to go through that. I will eventually make the purchase. We will eventually have the new cassette on the bike and I can share that story later, but I just wanted to let you know, I am deep in it, my friend, and I cannot find a cassette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know too much about all that part of the drivetrain, but I, I want to say the the um, XD driver or XD spline hub is specific to SRAM hubs. Mm -hmm. If I'm mistaken, so she's got a bon she rides Bontrager hubs though. Yeah, yeah Bontrager hubs. So I don't, I don't know what their standard is, but that that. The standard is the the key word. There's so many different standards now. You, the one one spec you mentioned was the the cassette size. So you mentioned she has an 1150, but all you could find was a 1050. That is just the high and low ends of the cassette range. So she basically is going down one tooth on the smallest ring. So the ah. smallest ring of that cassette will be 10 teeth, whereas Notice both mentioned the 50, which is the the um, pie plate uh, granny gear. Yeah, um, she doesn't want to lose that. Right, right. That, that's but a so, lifesaver. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, I think they give the gear range, and like you use that to figure out, you know, other metrics compared to your front ring. But, um, yeah, I think either of those would work the 1150 or a 1050 um the good news is i want to say any like the xd driver um socket or whatever you call it to uh remove the cassette is not that expensive i think i might even have it if not i'm pretty sure rick has it maybe he he, mm. he seems to run all of his bikes on the same component component brand and stuff to make it easier for him to maintain but anyways yeah yeah, it's frustrating. It's weird. You know, it makes me wonder, did they change? Did, Laura bought her bike new, right? Yes, she did. Yep. So it's not like she would have bought it used from somebody who had swapped it out. No, definitely uh, not. She, she she bought it from the shop. Now, the question is, you know, when they bought it at the shop, did they put the $100 less expensive uh, cassette on it? to keep the price down, which is a reasonable thing. It's still a great cassette. It's been a great cassette. It's just my 1275 costs a hundred dollars more than her 1230. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the cassettes are, the quality is the same. It's a matter of the weight. Yep. So the more expensive, the, the less they weigh up until you get to like Shimano XTR, like Eagle XO one or whatever it is. And I mean, I, I think, you know, it's got all titanium hardware and stuff like that to make it super light. But, uh, but yeah, that's interesting though. And yeah. you, I mean, I thought about just taking it to the shop to see what they say. 
Oh yeah. That's, I mean, certainly that's an option. <laughs> you know, but I was trying, you know, when you, when you get into it, you're almost like, well, I want to be self-sufficient. I want to learn how to do this. I don't, I don't want to be dependent all the time on going to a shop and you're right. By now I could have gone to the shop and seen what they said, but I haven't. And just one last thing is like, I looked at the, the hubs that said, you know, she's got the 54 T Bontrager hubs, but even those have an XT driver, I think in an HD driver. So I have to make sure, you know, whether, you know, what she's got there. And then they start, start talking about like 140 millimeter offsets. I don't know what an offset is, but I know I don't have to worry about it as long as I know what she's got. But I'm just saying you can't just nothing. Nothing is simple, right? You want to change your stem yeah. on this bike. We had I had to get a uh, adapter for the knock block thing. So just one thing after another. It, overall, you know, if I sound like I'm complaining, I don't mean to be complaining because it's a good problem to have. I get to ride bikes for fun, but I just wish it was a little like it's not that I don't think it's fun. It's just, it's so easy to do the wrong thing. <laughs> and so yeah. uh, I wish there was an e- easy way to not do that because I guess I can return anything I buy. It's not even like I'm going to get stuck holding a uh, $120 cassette that I can't use. It's just when there's a part shortage, you want to find and get the right thing. We have reached the end of another episode, the 131st to be exact, of Over the Hump with Trails to Ales. We start out with a discussion of an awesome beer festival, DC's own Snallygaster. So be on the lookout for that um, next. It's always uh, in the fall, October. If you're in the area, it is worth traveling to. If you're even anywhere near to get to, it is definitely a destination event. And then um, I shared some of my struggles with trying to find a cassette for Laura's bike, which I hope to share the uh, successful end of story at some point in the future. But until that time, remember to ride fast. Over the hump. Over the hump. And drink slow. Over the hump with Trails Tales. You need to get out and ride sometime soon because uh, what's going on at Locust Shade would make you very, very happy, and we need to get oh, yeah. down there. <laughs> yeah, Rick was saying the same. I, I was saying uh, maybe this weekend coming up, but I don't, I don't think you're going to be able to, are you? Uh, no. Not, well, Sunday I could. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, play it by year, but I, I was thinking more along the lines of Sunday morning anyways. Oh, okay. Yeah, because so, Samantha uh, leaves on Saturday. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, you're available Sunday morning.